Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, Jane. Hey, Scott. How are you today? Doing great. Just getting ready for Thanksgiving. Me too. Feeling, feeling like giving. Feeling like giving. It's, the, wow. it's essentially the month of giving, right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. where we give thanks. That's why it's called Thanksgiving. Yeah. I'm thankful. Uh, you know, something that we haven't talked about for a while is giving and how yeah. we can frame giving uh, through a financial lens, but also through a life lens. So let's geek out on that today. Um, before we do, is there anything you want to chat about? No, I just think the usual shout outs, everyone, we always appreciate you listening. It has become very fun to get comments from people all over the country, all over the world, even in some cases. So those yeah. of you that submit questions, we read every single one and we appreciate every single one. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for those of you who are leaving reviews. Uh, the podcast gets downloaded by tens of thousands of people every month. And that's growing every month because of you sharing it with your friends and coworkers and family members and teammates and people that you care about to help them create a better future. So we appreciate you doing that. Speaking of gratitude, we're thankful for all of you and all of your reviews and we ask that they keep coming. So that is it. And let's jump into the episode. All right, let's jump in. But before we do just, yes, an extra shout out for all of you who take the time to share any episode that's ever been helpful to you with someone else who it could be helpful to because our whole, you know, our, the BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal for our show is that we are going to do this show until the U.S. is financially literate. And that doesn't happen through us just chatting with ourselves on a Zoom call that we record to YouTube and to, and to upload to podcasts. It happens by you all sharing it because you find value in it. So if you find value in it, thank you. Please share it with those that you care about. If you find value in it to the point where you think other people really need to know about this, anytime you're trying to find something intangible, is this show worth watching or not? The first thing you do is go check reviews. So please take a minute to leave a review. You're not doing it for us. You're doing it for everyone else who's going to get help by listening to us. And we aren't here for us. We're here for you. So with that, please do that. The last thing I want to say is out in the in the vein of being here for you all, and we started showing you what financial planning is with the element scorecards. And we want to level that up. We want to start creating a community that allows you to have access to your own scorecard, a community where you can basically get together and sit in a circle whenever you want to sit in a circle and sit down and talk to each other about your financial conversations. Because it's a conversation that's hard to have with immediate family members or even friends. We want to create that space. I kind of liken it to when my mom, growing up, when we were growing up in the 80s, she would go to Weight Watchers, I think it was Weight Watchers, open the door at the strip mall, walk walk in, weigh yourself, sit down in a circle of men and women who were going through weight loss struggles. We want to start creating that for you guys. So if you're interested in that, will you please just in uh, go to realpersonalfinance.co 
hit submit a question and just say, I'm interested in the community. We want to get a sense of who's interested so that we can, as we start to test this idea, we know who to reach out to. It's that simple. Yes. Um, and with that, let's talk about giving because it is the time of giving. Let's do it. Giving yeah. is giving money, right? That's how we give. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting because I recently had a conversation with a client who wanted to talk about giving and and they were thinking of it definitely through the money lens. But I just simply asked, well, what what's the what's your family's plan for giving currently? Like, well, we give this percentage of our income and I'm not going to say percentages because that's up to families to decide what percentage they want to give. And that's where they ended. I was like, well, do you do you volunteer? Oh, yes, of course we volunteer. We volunteer at school and we volunteer through these community organizations and we spend time doing this. And I'm like, well, isn't that a form of giving? I guess I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah. So I think of it as I think of there's two main lenses to think about giving. There's money and then there's time. And you and I always talk about the lens of people have four things to invest in time, money, energy, and talent. I would just say that time is really including your energy and your talent in that in in that instance, isn't it? Yep. I mean, you yep. could also kind of say in like indirectly, your money is a compilation of your time, energy, and talent turning into money. You're just choosing to give money versus giving more time, energy, and talent. Yeah, we have those conversations of the four things you can invest in. And it's exactly what you just outlined, your money, your time, your energy, talent. You can invest in every single one of those things to make those things grow. Well, the same way you can invest in it, you can also spend those things. You can spend your money, you can spend your time, you can spend your energy, you can spend your talent. You can also give those things. You can give your money. So the, the same thing applies of what are you doing with time, money, energy, talent from the way that you invest in it? from the way that you spend it, from the way that you give it. And when we view things that way, it takes money not as the be-all, end-all when we're talking about financial planning or as opposed to one component of everything that we're doing with our lives. Yeah, Yeah. it's just a tool, just as the other elements are as well. And it's just looking at how do you utilize them in your life. You know, for today, I I think we could look at, we'll focus more on the lens of money because it's one that we can speak to directly with you at home. But from a time perspective, you know, giving your time can be so valuable and so rewarding. Um, and it's just simply choosing ahead of time. How are you going to give your time and in what capacity? And some are more charitable than others. Some are more community driven, but it, it's it's the scope is up to you as a family or an individual to decide what does giving mean to me? Yeah. Like one of the things that giving means to me is being active in my community. So and, and some of it's altruistic and some of it's not. Like when my son was younger and playing on baseball teams that I could handle helping to coach, I always stepped forward to help coach. And it was so I could have my that connection with my son, but it also was in a, in a, it was a way for me to give back to the community at the same time. So I guess what I'm getting at is they don't have to be black and white. I'm giving, I'm not giving. This is all for giving. This is not for me. There can be this like gray space where you can play and figure out how do you want it to help you. When we get to giving from a cash perspective, if you're looking for a tax deduction, you can't play in the gray. It has to be black and white, right? right. We can only give to give. I can't decide that like, my CU Buffs Booster Club, I'm going to give them money so I get really good season tickets. Yeah, uh, Whatever the cost of those season tickets are, that is not tax deductible. I can't do that, right? But I can give to 
um, a scholarship fund directly that helps a student. So we will dive into that a little bit more, but let's, that's a good frame. Is there anything you want to add to the frame? No, let's start with that. Obviously the most basic and the most thought of way when people talk about giving is giving money and now yeah. even giving money can look a little different. There's multiple ways to do that. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I, I honestly, if we break it down to its core form, I always think of this time of year, you know, or if it's not already happening, it will soon, there's going to be someone with a Santa hat at the door of Target and the door of every major department store ringing a bell, right? For Salvation Army, raising money. And what do you give there? You give cash, you give coins. Maybe now they have a Venmo, so you can actually give to Venmo. <laughs> I don't know if they do or not yet. If they don't, Salvation Army, you should definitely do that. Um, makes an easier way for people to give you something, but it's the most salient thing, right? Like we're actually giving money that's in our wallet or our pocket. Yep, absolutely. And so you can do that with cash. You can do that with credit card. Those are kind of things that are well known from a financial perspective. Obviously every person has their own desires and generosity means something different to them. Our job as planners is yes, to help direct that, but also to make the most of it. You know, if Mm -hmm. you are going to give, you're not doing it for the tax deduction, yeah. but if you are going to give, let's help you get the greatest tax deduction you possibly can based yeah. upon that desired level of generosity. One common way that people do that is through something called a donor advised fund. Yep. What's a donor advised fund? Yeah. So like sometimes when people start to get like a decent amount of money, at least until a few years ago, they'd be like, oh, like you'd hear people say they had a family foundation, right? Which sounds super fancy and it kind of is. A family foundation was a way to say like, oh, James just hit the jackpot because he, well, he did by marrying his wife, but let's outside of that, maybe he like bought a lottery ticket and got a bunch of money. A cash jackpot. Yeah. And in that month, and in that instance, he might choose to be like, oh, I'm going to set up a family foundation and give a percentage of those winnings to this thing. So I don't have to pay tax on that. It's different, different ball, ball of wax for a different day. But let's just imagine that like he has a bunch of money and he goes, I'm going to set up a family foundation. A foundation is designed so that you have to give away 5% of the principal of that asset, whatever that fund has every single year for the rest of it in perpetuity would be Mm -hmm. the the proper term. Um, A donor advised fund is basically a simpler way to have a family foundation is the way I would give it to you. So like any of us can go to whether it's Fidelity Charitable or just type in a custodian name and type in charitable and see if they offer donor advised funds. I yep. mentioned Fidelity Charitable because it's one of the biggest. They have billions of dollars under management on their system, on their umbrella. And the way it works is Fidelity Charitable has this big umbrella. And underneath it, anyone can go set up a donor advised fund. And the donor advised funds just set up in your own social security number and all that fun stuff. And it tracks it for you tax-wise when you make contributions to it. And it tracks your, it allows you to do three things. It allows you to give, it allows you to grow and it allows you to grant. So there's three Gs. The first G, giving, we're talking about the simplest form of giving right now. I might be like, you know, um, uh, maybe maybe uh, I thought James did an awesome job with the podcast this year, even though we make no money with the podcast. I'm like, I'm just going to give him a big bonus, right? And I give, send him that big bonus. And James goes, maybe it's, I'm just make up a number, 20 grand. And James is like, I don't want this 20 grand. I just want to give it. So he can literally open a donor advised fund. He can give 20 grand. And the moment he does that, um, Char- Fidelity Charitable is going to send this document to him at the end of the year. It says, hey, uh, we just want to remind you, you gave 20 grand this year. So make sure you mark that on your tax return. The moment yeah. you give is when you get the benefit tax-wise. Yeah. 
Now he has this money in the donor advised fund. He can choose to invest it just the way he invests any other investment account. So he can put it in stocks, bonds, keep it as cash, do anything he wants with it within the parameters that are allowed based on the size of his account. And the reason I say based on the size of his account is it's kind of like, it kind of acts like the sleeve of choices you have to invest in in your 401k if you have a cert, if you're under a certain dollar threshold. And it's usually a couple hundred thousand dollars. And then once it goes over a couple hundred thousand dollars, they like send you a special note and they go, hey, James, we really appreciate you putting all this money in the donor advised fund. We're going to give you more freedom to trade however you wish. So mm-hmm. then it kind of acts more like a brokerage account or an IRA would be for you where you can go choose anything you want. There's not a menu of, there's a menu of options. If this account's small, if the number mm-hmm. gets big, the menu basically becomes limitless, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then what you do is you just let the money grow. And now as the money's growing every year, you get to choose, do I want to give some of the money to a charitable organization? Now, this is the kicker. It has to be to a charitable organization. Like where I said earlier, I want to give to my CU boosters to get a really good deal on tickets. I can't receive any special treatment or any uh, favor or any products for giving through a donor advised fund. It has to be direct to a 501c3 charity. 501c3 is a part of the tax code that says they are a nonprofit organization. They are not out for profit or for political gain. You can't give to political, um, uh, you can't give to like congressmen or something like that in this instance as well. It has to be to a nonprofit. Yeah. Then we get to grant. And the reason I bring that up is because that rule about the foundation of that 5% we have to give every year, when you're under the guise of a very, very big um, fidelity charitable umbrella, that umbrella is giving that 5% every year, typically no problem. So on rare occasions, you might get a notice this time of year of like, hey, James, you need to give 5% of your income this year. But it's kind of rare to get that. They're only going to send that if people haven't given enough yet coming into the final quarter for them to meet the normal draws they need to make on any given year for the entire um, organization, not just your account. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And so, you know, you make that gift. It is an irrevocable gift. So you do still control it. As Scott's mentioned, you still do get to determine how it's invested and it's in your name, well, it's in your fund's name, yep. but you you do have to gift that out. Now, if you still have that account when you pass, it's a great way for you to pass it on to children and teach them the benefits of generosity, but that's a wonderful planning tool. And where I see it most frequently is, is for tax planning. So what happened a few years ago is standard deductions went way up. Yeah. And speaking just very basically, there's there's three big things most people itemize. It's mortgage interest, it's state and local taxes, but capped yep. at 10,000, and it's charitable giving. Yep. Yes, there are other deductions, but those are the big three. And so say someone retires, and by the time they retire, they have a paid off home. And maybe they're yep. still paying 10,000 per year in state and local taxes, and they're also gifting very generously $10,000 yep. per year. Yeah. Well, they're they're gifting and that's wonderful. And again, you're not doing it for the tax benefits, but they're not actually getting to deduct any of that. And mm-hmm. the reason for that is they go to itemize and they say, okay, we got property taxes of 10 grand. We got charitable giving of 10 grand. That's 20,000 there. Yeah. But your itemized deduction is right at about 27,000 or so this year. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to take or I'm gonna, uh, the standard deduction, I should say, is right there. Yep. So they're going to take the standard inside of the itemized. You do that for 10 years. It's $100,000 of giving you've done, but you haven't been able to deduct a single dollar. Totally. So what some people will do is they said, do I really front load this donor advised fund, maybe with stock I have in my brokerage account 
front load it, do the full hundred thousand dollars, get the full deduction today, mm-hmm. and then do my giving from there. So it's kind of like bringing forward all the next 10 years of giving you're going to do from a tax saving standpoint today. That's, that's kind of a concept that people do. It's usually totally if agree. you are under the standard deduction amount, that's where it probably makes sense to consider this. Or if you just don't want to give it all today, but you want to spread out the giving over time, but want the deduction. This year. 100%, 100% agree with what you're saying. And what you're getting at is what we would, we would essentially call it like you're, 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 you're choosing to stack giving to turn on the itemized deduction. Because in this instance, you're saying, Hey, you're never getting the itemized deduction. You're not getting the benefit of giving, yeah. but if instead let's go do 50 K every five years now, yeah. now we're definitely going to get it in those five years. We're going to get that itemized deduction and bring down our tax bill a little bit, make it a bit more advantageous for us. Yeah, fully agree with what you're saying. And you started to even mention stock, which I think we can get to in a moment. But just recognize that if you give cash to a donor advised fund, you're allowed to give up to get the tax benefit of giving. You're allowed to give up to get an income tax deduction for up to 60% of your adjusted gross income. That is AGI. And if you ever want to know what adjusted gross income is, just Google it or look at your 1040 tax return and it should be the bottom of the first page. Yep. Stock gifts aren't quite as easy. Yeah, so let's let's go there next. So obviously donor advised funds, we can give cash. Cash is an easy thing to give. The gift of giving cash is we gave a dollar, we might get to deduct it off of our tax return. That's a pretty smart way to give, but we can also give other things, right? Yep. We can give stock. So you bought stock for a dollar 20 years ago. It's now worth $100,000. Well, you sell that stock, you're, you're paying a good chunk of it in taxes. Sure. If you donate it to the donor advised fund, the fund doesn't pay taxes and you get credit for the full value of the gift. But the caveat being you can't deduct more than 30% of that gift of your, your adjusted gross income. So if your adjusted gross income is $100,000, you can't deduct more than $30,000 of that gift. Now you could right. carry forward any excess to future years, but this is a planning point. Sometimes people will do that gift and they'll increase their adjusted gross income by doing things like Roth conversions. So kind of pair the two together, increase income on the one side, decrease income on the other side. And it's a kind of a good effective tool for that. But these are just the things that you need to be aware of is there are some limits on how much you can deduct based upon your income. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that like James just throws that at you guys so casually, you have no idea what a good planner he is. Cause he's basically like in his brain, we didn't even put in the outline that we could be doing Roth conversions and all the other things we could be doing in this conversation. He just knows to go there because he's that good. So if you ever need a financial planner, please reach out to James. (laughs) Thank you Point being like, yeah, I hope that guys, I hope it sunk in what you were just saying. Um, We don't just have to give the, um, the cash, right? Instead, that is since $1 turned into 100,000. Well, if we went in the state of California, we'd be paying 23.8% federally, and we'd probably quickly be paying around 11 or 12%, right? On the state. Yep. So we'd, be, we'd be giving away over a third of that value to taxes before we start giving. Yeah. And what you're saying is, no, no, just give it. And you don't have to pay any taxes and neither yes. does the charitable organization. And what's going to happen is, is once you give that, the, the donor advised fund, Fidelity Charitable, they have the ability to trade securities. It's how they're set up. So they'll just take it and they'll sell it. And then they'll you can go reinvest it in other things is how exactly. it's going to work. 
which is a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Now, not only can you do that with publicly traded stocks, you can also do that with mutual funds and you could do it with bonds. Now, to, to the point that James is making, what we typically will look at is we want to go get rid, we want to give away the things that have low cost basis, low price of purchase compared to high value today. So typically that's going to be publicly traded stocks. Yep. Exactly. Those the things that have grown the most are the things that are most beneficial to give. Now, there's other ways to do this too. You don't, you know, let's say that you are wanting to give, you don't maybe want to go through the process of setting up a donor advised fund. Well, you can still typically just give stock directly to your charity. If the charity yes. has an investment account, if the whatever this could be your church, this could be a charity, this could be whatever, ask if they have an investment account that can accept securities. Yes. If they do, you can just give that directly. If the entirety of it is where you want, if you want to send the entirety of it to there, that's a more simplified way of doing it. Um, Another point to add there that just hit my brain that we didn't put on the outline is QCDs. Can you briefly explain what QCDs are and how they work? Yes. So when you turn 70 and a half, you're eligible for something called a qualified charitable distribution. 70 and a half used to be the RMD age and the QCD age. They pushed What's RMD mean? Sorry. Just required explain. a minimum distribution. Thank, Thank you. you. That's been pushed to 72, but qualified charitable distributions can still be done at age 70 and a half and beyond. And what it is, is Scott, if you're 70 and a half and you have your IRA and you have a charity that you really care about and say, hey, I really want to give to that charity. Well, instead of taking funds from your IRA, paying taxes on them because you're using the standard deduction, you're not itemizing and then gifting, well, you could just gift the investment right from your IRA to the charity itself. And you can do that up to $100,000. So it's a way of just not even having to ever increase your taxable income by doing the gift right from there. That's a really effective tool for people who are 70 and a half and above. Yes. And the last thing I want to, that's, so that's outside of donor advised funds. That's that's it's a form of giving directly, which is why it came to me as you were talking about giving directly to a charity, because you yes. do have to give directly from your IRA to whoever you're giving to. You can't send the money to your bank first and then send it out. That right. That's breaking the rules. So it is a specific thing, but it's a wonderful way for people who have a lot of required minimum distributions and want to be giving and they don't need the money from the IRA account. It is the most effective way to give. Yes. Yes, exactly. By far. So, okay. So that now let's just go back to donor advised funds. I'm just going to put a pin in this because I don't need to go into it too much detail, but understand that you can give publicly traded stocks, mutual funds, and bonds, but you're also allowed to give and it requires more time and effort. So if you try to, you can't really do this this year because you've already run the clock. But if you own private equity, if you own hedge fund interests, if you're a pre IPO shares of stock, right? If you have a privately held business, that's a C corp or an S corp. If you have a limited partnership, if you have restricted stock, if you have life insurance, if you have cryptocurrencies, if you have retirement assets, oil and gas royalties, real estate, like you can gift pretty much anything to a donor advised fund. <clears throat> it just has to go through the right um, protocol to make it acceptable. And yeah. the more illiquid it is, the harder it is to make it through those hoops but also the more beneficial it can be to yep. make it through those hoops with proper planning. So just realize that that is something that you're able to do. And that's where I would leave donor advised funds. And I would just ask uh, for you, sir, how do, if you were trying to create a plan with Ashlyn, what would you, what's a good framework to think through how to do this for giving so we can give people something actionable. 
Yeah, I think you go through the basics, the the what, the how, the when, and the who. What is it that you want to support? What do you want to give to? Yeah. And what charity, what church, what cause, what's yeah. what is it that's important? How? Do you want to donate cash? Do you want to set up a donor advised fund and go that route? Do are you eligible for qualified charitable distributions and do it that way? The win is the timing. Some people love say, hey, I want this as a consistent part of my monthly budget. Every month I'm doing this, or maybe even a small amount every week, some people will do. Yep. Some people, it's year-end stuff. Let's look at where we are and let's give there. But understand when are you going to do it? Um, and the who is kind of tying it all together. Who are you giving to, but also who's doing the giving there as well. I love your frame. I'm going to give a slightly different frame on the same questions. Um, how will you choose to give? I think that's a conversation of sitting down with yourself or with your partner or with a friend and just simply going like, in the coming year, what am I? What do I believe in? What are my values? What percentage of my income I got, am I going to give? Might be one marker. Or if I have extra bonus income in the next year, what percentage of that am I going to give? Because I don't even need to live off of it, right? I think mm-hmm. the other frame to look at is what do you actually need to live a great life now? And what do you want to be giving now? And then as you expand on your income in your life, what are you going to choose to do? Are you going to choose to keep it static? Are you going to choose to increase the giving component because you have more to give now? That's up to you to figure out, right? And then the time component is just how much time am I going to give? Figure that out. Um, The what, the how, I fully agree with. When will you do it? Knowing when you're going to act. For who? I would say who's going to hold you accountable to you doing this plan. And you can either turn to a partner, hopefully the spouse that you're doing this with, or the partner in life could be the person because then you guys are giving altruistically and that's great. If there's conflict between the two of you on giving, you might want to work with an expert, someone to help you figure out a good plan for yourselves. We help that do that with financial planning clients all the time, right? And then uh, you, if, it's, if it's really needed, if you really want to get moving on it, but you don't know, get an enforcer, get someone that's going to force you to do something that you don't want to do if you don't do it. Yep. For me, that's always making a contribution to a political group that I don't like. And I have to share publicly that I did it. When I can't move on something in my life, that is my uh, enforcer move because I never want to give money to specific people for specific reasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the enforcer is helpful. Well, I think that's super helpful for today. Um, I hope that's helpful for everyone listening. We will be back with more stuff next time. And we'll see you all then. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer in a future episode, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there'll be a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for Scott and I to answer on a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.